Welcome to Women Who Protect, a monthly series as part of the Ontic Protective Intelligence podcast. In a profession largely dominated by men, we spotlight women working in a wide range of positions within security, protection, and law enforcement. We will hear their stories, discuss their accomplishments, and also seek their advice for women and girls who might be interested in a career in protection or security. I'm Dr. Marisa Randazzo with Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. After nearly three decades of experience working in security and protection, as the Chief Research Psychologist at the U.S. Secret Service, and then in the private sector providing security guidance to corporations, educational institutions, and high-profile individuals, I know firsthand the immense value that women bring to this field. And I know the challenges that we face. I look forward to sharing with you the stories of women who protect and hope they inspire other women and girls to consider joining our ranks. Now, on to the podcast. Julie Marshauser is a former law enforcement professional with a wide range of experiences, including six years in investigations, six years as a crisis hostage negotiator, three years as a SWAT team leader, as well as experience in VIP protection and event security. She pivoted from the public sector into the private sector to apply her skills and experience to a position as an organized retail crime investigations manager within Kroger, the country's second largest supermarket chain by revenue. In her current position at Kroger, she also conducts threat assessments for both internal and external cases, as well as provides executive protection to C-level executives and board members to include creating and executing operational plans and completing pre-advanced security visits. Julie, welcome to Women Who Protect. It's a delight to have you with us, and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So I always love to start at the beginning in talking with women who are in positions of insecurity and in law enforcement, I would love to hear overall what got you to take on a career in security, but let's start at the beginning of, of what got you into law enforcement in the first place. Sure. So it's kind of funny. I, I remember as a kid, actually begging my parents to ask if I could stay up later than my bedtime because I wanted to watch New York Undercover. That was one of my favorite shows. I was always enthralled by it, wanted to figure out what the crime was or how they were going to put the pieces, you know, solve that puzzle. Um, And so I remember always asking if I could please stay up late so I could watch that show. And I think that's kind of where things started to just progress for me because I would would want to watch, you know, Law and Order or any of those. So by the time I got into high school, yeah, that's when I, I realized, I said, you know, this is where I want to go is federal. My ultimate goal at that time was I wanted to be an FBI agent. I was one of those people and still am that says if, you know, you have a hundred piece puzzle and you give me two of those pieces, I want to find that other 98 pieces. I want to figure out the who, what, when, why, put it all together and and say, here you go, found it and, uh, and present it. So, you know, I think just 
being in that, uh, excited about trying to find all those answers in that challenge and, and seeing if I was able to complete that, that task was always something interesting to me. But on top of that, I am surrounded in my family by public servants. So it is, it is in my blood. Um, you know, I have a lot of family members that are um, military, including my sister. Um, I have a lot of firefighters in my family um, and law enforcement. And so, you know, I think being around that and uh, seeing that my family has served the community is just something that I've grown up with. And I have had a lot of support from my family in pursuing this career. So um, it just kind of evolved into that. And I think exploring it as I as I got older and through high school, I knew that that was the path I wanted to take. And uh, so everything I did was centered around what was going to get me to where I needed to be in order to make it into some sort of career in law enforcement, whether it was federal or ultimately where I went, which was uh, local. And and so what was what was your first stop in, in terms of law enforcement? What was the, the first out of high school, out of college? What where did you go when what was that first experience like for you? So for college, I ended up going to a school um, in Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky University, and they were the top 5% in the nation for criminal justice. And quite frankly, that was, I think, probably one of the greatest decisions I made because there were so many connections and so many avenues that I was able to get involved with, with organizations, internships. Um, I I interned with a, a local agency, a state agency, and the federal agency, the DEA. And so my first, I would say, you know, big girl job in this field was I interned with the DEA my senior year. And when I was getting ready to graduate, they offered me a full-time position while I was going through their process to become um, an agent. So I really got exposed to the, the whole career early on throughout college and was able to see it from all different aspects. Um, ultimately, unfortunately, the, that was the same time when the federal government went on a hiring freeze. Mm-hmm. And so that's what, um, kind of made me look at All right. Plan B, where do I want to go next? And that's when I became a police officer. Fantastic. I, I want to circle back in just a little bit when we get to a, a point of sort of advice for people interested in getting into law enforcement and security, because the internship piece is, is so valuable. Um, I, I interned with the U.S. Secret Service before getting a full-time job there, and it's what decided for me that this is where I wanted to be. Um, and so I think that that's fascinating that you started out as, a, as an intern or student aide with DEA and, and got to see and as you said, also with, with state and, and, and other um, capacities, got to see law enforcement from different angles and levels and, and helped inform your decision. Yes, absolutely. I, I would 100% agree with you. It, it was very important. And I'm very, um, very lucky that I was able to, to have those internships. And I think, too, being involved in the organizations was very important, too. Well, and I think that's, that's a great feeder, too. People often don't know about it, that, that there are ways that you can start to explore what different fields are going to be like through associations and organizations at the college level too. And so to look around for resources, I think can be tremendously helpful. Absolutely. So tell me a bit, um, you've been on the front lines in, in law enforcement, including as a SWAT team member, and now you're an organized retail crime manager at Kroger. Tell us a little bit, anything um, particularly memorable that you could share with us from your law enforcement career that that sticks out as sort of a, a defining moment 
or as a, as a, an important lessons learned for you? You know, I, I'll have to say, I mean, I, I think having, I had, I was 13 years in law enforcement and of those 13 years, I think I was fortunately exposed and involved in a lot of things within that time frame, and very, very grateful for the time that I was able to serve the community, the people that I've met, the training that I had. Um, you know, and majority of my career was a detective, and so I, um, I worked a lot of. They're all felony and investigations, but a lot of the cases that I worked that uh, were kind of what I gravitated towards because it just was. Uh, I think of something that I really wanted to focus on were personal crimes. Mm-hmm. And so for me, um, being able to just have that ability to help somebody in their, their worst moment or the, the time that was their biggest crisis and um, be able to use the skills and use what my, you know, my passion to be able to help people and investigate and find the person or, you know, bring justice to their situation was probably one of the most rewarding things that I can um, to say to date, but including, you know, I have to say still with being on the SWAT team, I was the uh, crisis negotiating unit team leader. And, you know, again, you're, you're talking with people who are in the heightened state, the, the biggest moment of their life is probably in that moment because they're in the, the biggest crisis that they've, they've had. And you're there to try to talk to them and find out how can you help them. And so for me, a lot of it was just you have to listen to people. And I think the more that you listen and the more that you learn, the more that you actually see the bigger picture and everything isn't always what it seems to be. And if you take the time to kind of talk to somebody and look at everything that's surrounding it, uh, you might actually get more of your answers than just looking at what's on the surface or what it might appear to be. I think that's such an important point that the the power and importance of listening in any sort of investigation, and especially in those crisis situations that that you encountered as a SWAT team leader and hostage negotiator, that that that's a point where it I know can feel incredibly you're under incredible pressure because there is a a, a crisis, there's a, a time limit, there's a an action imperative, and at the same time, what those situations often demand most is the ability to sort of slow things down and to ask questions and then to truly listen. And, and that's a, an incredible skill to, 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 to have. Um, have, you, have you found um, that you have come to use that experience and those skills in other aspects of, of law enforcement or in your security positions? So in, in VIP protection and in, in event security, have you called upon that experience and, and those skills in any way at all? Every day. Yes. So it is uh, everything that I have worked towards in my law enforcement career, all the education that I had, all of the experience, uh, whether it was in patrol as a detective, as a negotiator, or a team leader, um, all of it has directly translated into this role that I have on the private sector um, side of things. I mean, it's every skill is being used because even though I you know, I don't carry a gun and a badge right now. I'm still working investigations. I'm still having to talk to people. Um, I'm still having to put pieces of the puzzle together. I work with law enforcement and prosecutors and we go to court. Um, we need to find evidence. Um, so for me, it's, it really is 
a great way to be able to say I've transitioned from the public into the private, doing the same things I love, but also bringing in other aspects that maybe I wasn't necessarily getting in the public sector, but I am able to get in the private. So I want, which was a big, a big important factor for me um, making this transition was I loved what I did. I loved my career. I, I loved the impact that I was able to have on the community and, and everything that I did, you know, that uh, as, as a police officer. But I also have, you know, I have an MBA as well. I have a master's in business administration that I received while I was um, in law enforcement. And I also used to own my own business. And so I've always had um, this business side, this business acumen that I, I wanted to tap into. And so for me, it was very important to how do I take the skills that I've so far learned and gained in my professional career and marry them to the skills and the things that I also still want to do using the business side of things. And I've been very fortunate to find this position uh, with Kroger and and do what I do today because it's it's a perfect marrying. It's a perfect relationship right now. So uh, it's worked out great. So how was that transition from the public sector to the private sector? I mean, it sounds like you were well prepared for it. And it sounds like it was something you were going toward it, 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 even though you were leaving one position and role and responsibility and serving the community, it, it does sound, as you describe it, like it was something you were really going toward with plan and intention and, and something you were looking forward to. So tell me a bit about how that transition was from public sector to private sector. Yeah, so it it wasn't an, uh, it definitely wasn't an easy decision, nor was it a, a quick decision. I would say it probably was maybe a solid year. Um before I actually made the leap and, and, and made the jump, um, I, I started off by just kind of that whole idea of, is this something I want to do? You know, am I sure? Do I, do I want to make that switch? Because, you know, there, law enforcement is definitely one of those few careers that it really is. It is like a family. And it's a, it's a totally different feeling when you work with everybody, when it's, it's a life-saving role and it's, you have to make sure that you have each other's backs and everything that you do. And it does bring a totally different feel. And being on the SWAT team was even more of an elevated family feel. Um, so to, to consider leaving that or walking away from that was not an easy decision, but um, it was definitely one that, that I knew was in the back of my mind. And so what I started to do was um, there was a there's a group that I joined and it's called the Northern Kentucky Accountability Group. And it's through the Kenton County Public Library and ran by Natalie Rupert. And she's just incredible, uh, this group that she's put together. And it's for people who are job seekers or job transitions or people who may have um, lost their job or whatever the case might be, anything to do with, with job searching. And so I started there and you know, public and private is, is actually, I mean, it's different in a lot of ways. It was different in the way that we interview. It's a different in the way that resumes are done. It is different in the fact that the private sector, you know, uses more of things such as LinkedIn than the public sector does. And so I had to learn and educate myself on the differences because I knew how to navigate on the public side. I knew what was needed, where I could go, what my options were, what the resume needed to look like, who I networked with. I was pretty well versed on the public side and, and well connected to have those options. But when it came to the private side, I honestly felt like I was maybe back in high school or college again, thinking, what am I going to do? Where, where do I go? There's so many options and I don't even know where to start or what's even available or out there to me. And 
you know, it was, it was also trying to figure out how do the skills and the experience that I've gained in law enforcement, how do they even translate to the private sector? Because I know what I have and I know what the skills would be on the public and the value of it, but how do I change and create that value and put it over onto the private sector? And, and it all makes sense, right? So that transition was, it was a long one. It, I did a lot of work, a lot of homework. Um, I networked with a lot of people. Um, I, I asked questions to people who were once in the public se- sector and are now in the private or people who have solely been in the private um, just to kind of understand what their career pathway was and how they got where they got or what do they know. And I started to learn, okay, maybe this might be an idea, an, an option or an, you know something I might be interested in or yeah, that's, that's probably not something that I would be interested in. Um, so it, it kind of gave me some, some guidance to make that transition. So, you know, it, it was, uh, I think I leaned a lot more on really that group and networking and it was the scary jump. I will say when that time came, I was excited and nervous at the same time. Um, because, you know, you are walking away again from that family in blue and you're walking away from you know, a a job where it's rewarding to put on that uniform every day and to serve the community. And, you know, I will say too, one of the things that, that always struck me with that job that I really, really enjoyed was when I was in uniform and we would be at, you know, I'd be out in the community and, and there would be maybe a little girl who would see me in uniform and just get big bright eyed and smile and, and say, girls can be police officers too. And I said, well, absolutely. Yes, we can. And we can wear heels on the weekend and <laughs> you know, we, can, we can do it all. And, oh, that's you know, great. it was just, yeah, it was just, for me, that was, that was a win because it was almost as if that was a surprise to some, you know, very young girls that, yes, we can do this job too. So, um, so I guess basically all that to say it was it was not a quick easy one it a lot of thought and a lot of time um, a lot of conversations and uh, really making sure that I, I did do my homework so that I was prepared to uh, kind of enter into what feels almost like a somewhat completely different world we'll get back to the conversation in just a moment but first I want to tell you a little about Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence In a world of safety, security, and protection, we know that gathering and sharing information is crucial. That's why we created the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. The center is a trusted resource for those in the security, safety, and protection communities. We share strategies and best practices, insights on current and historical trends, and lessons learned through dialogue, discourse, and alternative analysis for some of the industry's top practitioners. Define blogs, podcasts, webinars, white papers, and more, check out the center by visiting ontic.co slash center. That's ontic.co slash center. Um, So let me ask a bit about now that you are in the private sector and in the retail industry, I want to get your perspective on this. So the, the retail industry has certainly experienced some challenges in the past couple of years as it relates to security. What what has surprised you the most? So, the you know, I would say that the two police departments, because I worked at two different departments during my career, 
And both of them, I would say, would be considered more of, you know, bedroom type communities um, where there were definitely some businesses in there and, and a very large hospital and some restaurants and whatnot. But the majority of the retailers were in the surrounding agencies that we would support and back up. Um, so I, I wouldn't we, we didn't have a lot of those uh, um, a lot of those types of retailers or even, you know, um, we didn't even have a Kroger <laughs> in our city. But um, but I was very familiar with theft. So I worked a lot of theft cases. I dealt with theft. But what I think has surprised me the most in, in being in this position now as an organized retail crime manager is, you know, I, I wasn't aware that there was so much organized crime on the retail side. And, you know, looking back now and, and thinking about some of the cases or some of the traffic stops I made and some of the, you know, the, the stolen items that I had recovered um, from an arrest, or if I know, if I knew, then what I know now, it'd be interesting to just see, you know, looking at it from a bigger picture that maybe this isn't just a a one-time theft. It's not just somebody who is stealing something, or as we say, a booster, you know, boosting from a store. Uh, they're actually potentially stealing specific items for a specific reason to make profit for a larger organization that is feeding into, you know, something that could be going towards drugs and guns and human trafficking or, you know, whatever the case might be in the organized uh, group that they're in. And it's, it surprises me how much of that goes on throughout all of the retailers and just how much uh, that, how much theft goes on with that, that it's not just, it's a bigger picture. It's not just that small little theft. It's fascinating because it, 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 to, to learn about that from kind of an enterprise level and, and you get to see um, just as you're talking about just how vast it is. It's not, not one-offs. It, it can be, um, you know, can, can be patterns, can affect multiple retailers. And, and to that end, I, I wanted to ask, like, in your, in your work for, for Kroger, do you also work with other retailers to see if they're seeing similar patterns of theft or trouble in, you know, around certain, certain of their retail centers, things like that? Do you liaison... I would assume with law enforcement in your community, but, but what about other retailers? Oh yes. Yeah, we definitely do. And uh, there's, there's groups, um, there's different organized retail crime groups per um, states so that all the retailers and law enforcement can actually collaborate together, um, which I think is, it was huge in law enforcement and it is, it's a very big, you know, huge thing to be able to do on this side as well, because as we all know, you know, criminals don't, don't just say, we're just going to steal from Kroger. You know, they're going to steal from anybody that they can or anyone that has similar product, um, you know, wherever they can go. Uh, they, they cross city lines and state lines and product leaves the United States and it can go to another country. So it, it, it benefits all of us to collaborate. And, you know, every retailer that I've worked with has been wonderful. You know, we all, we, we have monthly meetings and we all collaborate. We're working on cases now, you know, where we have multiple uh, retailers working one uh, fence investigation because everyone's products are going to one fence. Um, and so, yeah, the collaboration is wonderful. And we, it's definitely a very big proponent of if we want to solve cases, if we want to catch these people, if we want to make a, a major impact on the organized crime um, in any of the area and not even just our state, but enterprise wide, because these groups don't just stay in where, you know, Cincinnati, for example, or in Ohio or 
they're traveling and they have people all across the U.S. that they work with. And that's why it's considered organized. So it benefits all of us to to work together for sure. I think that is such an important point that the collaboration and, and information sharing is absolutely vital uh, for, for investigations of all different types. And, and it's fascinating to me how quickly information can still get stuck in silos. And so to have that kind of a, a network and that deliberate collaboration, I think is, is, is so absolutely important. I, let me let me shift here again. I, I want to get back to you mentioned for a moment. Um, you know, if you if you knew then what you know now, I want to get back to sort of thinking about your career in the public sector and the private sector throughout your time in, in security. What's the best advice you've received so far? I would say the best advice that I've received in just this entire process, going from the public sector into the private sector. Uh, in general, and just overall, as you know, my experience and, and being a female in the industry is to not limit myself. Don't put a cap on myself where it doesn't belong. Um, you know, I think when I started trying to figure out how how would I fit into the private sector, uh, where do my skills, how would they translate, where do they fit in? Um, I think. Initially, I started putting myself maybe lower than and not valuing what it should be or where I would be or what the skills actually how they translate over. And I was told to uh, to to not limit myself and and go further than what I think I'm capable of because that's what I you know that I was told that I'm more capable than what I think I am. And so to kind of look at a bigger picture and to know my worth, know the value, know the skills and the experience that I have, um, you know, whether it is the public or the private side. But I think we all have maybe somewhat sometimes that thought of that, you know, what they they call the imposter Mm -hmm. uh, syndrome, right? Where you think, oh, someone's going to call me out and I don't know what I'm doing. And um, really, you do. And sometimes it's more of our own doing of questioning of, whether or not we we do it, but if we're put in a situation where you just do, and you you know you know it without any doubt or fear of being wrong or uh, someone saying, well, that's not the correct way. If you just do it, I think really you know more than what you think you do, and so to just kind of get out of your own way and and don't don't limit yourself. That is excellent advice. I, I think that that's um, that that's wonderful because it really is encouraging. And and at the same time, to think about well, and if you aren't quite sure, it's always okay to ask, right? It's never you know that that imposter syndrome reference. I think is such a um, it's one that plagues all of us uh, on some level, and and or at least many of us on some level. And to think like, okay, if I ask a question, is it going to reveal how much I don't know? I've I've long learned that it if I have the question, uh, chances are very high someone else in that room has the same question, and so go ahead and ask. Absolutely, and and I think there's something to be said too that I'm one that's upfront. If I don't know, I'll let you know and say I don't know, but that's a great question, and I'm going to figure that out because why well, want to know too? Um, I'm a very big proponent of learning and training and education, and I'm always in the know. So. I can guarantee if you were to ask any uh, anyone that I've worked for, any of my bosses, supervisors, sergeants, anybody, they will probably tell you that I'm definitely someone who asks a lot of questions when it's needed. Uh, I'm not afraid to ask the questions. Excellent. Um, but there's value. There's definitely absolutely value in that because if you don't know, that's okay. If you know everything, then then it's probably time to look for a new job because not everybody's going to know everything. And um 
you know, you're always the desire to always want to learn and just to keep growing and gaining more knowledge, I think is, is the, is the way to keep getting better and more experienced and broaden everything, you know, and just bring more value to your team and, and the company that you work for. Absolutely. So let, um, we talked at the beginning about how you got into law enforcement and then private sector security in the first place and, and the opportunities you had with college organizations and then internships. For those who are looking to get into the security industry, whether it is out of you know high school or college or as a career transition, and especially you know as, as we really think about for girls and, and young women or, or women generally who are interested in getting into the security industry, what advice would you give them? Well, first, I would say do it. It is a fantastic career. Yes. <laughs> it is absolutely fun. It's been a wonderful ride. No two days are the same. Um, I can definitely say I've, I've grown as a person and I've been able to look at things differently. And, you know, the way that I, I view uh, situations or view people or just the things that I've learned in this career and in this field and what I've been exposed to, um, especially in law enforcement too, you know, is not everybody gets that opportunity. And so for one, for especially females, I would say do it and don't let being a female stop you. And just because we're an underrepresented, you know, kind of a group, we're still, we're still growing. We're getting there. Uh, there's more of us, but we need you. Um, you know, and I, I would love to, to have more women, you know, to work with because quite frankly, both, um, both police departments that I worked for, I was the only female. Um, and I believe I was the first female in both agencies for, uh, I think it was 15 years. And um, I was the only female on the SWAT team on the, uh, and on the negotiating unit. And I was the first female team leader for the negotiating unit. So there's still a lot of room for us to grow, um, especially in the law enforcement side and to have more women, you know, join. And what I would say is don't, don't let the fact that there's only a few of us in it and then, you know, to, to sway you or to, to prevent you from wanting to, to take the leap because it is well worth it. Uh, same thing I would say on, on um, the private sector side, the security side. It is still uh, very much male dominated. Um, but what I will say is it's been intriguing to me when I first got in the field. It felt very obvious to me when I was around that I was the only female or when I would have um, our yearly training or I would sit in a class and I would maybe be one, if uh, maybe the only female or one of two you know, women in the in, entire class. But as the time has gone on and I've been in now this field, you know, this career, I don't know if it's been 15 years or whatever the total's been now, but I don't even notice it anymore. It doesn't matter because I know, you know, we're all here to bring what skills and um, experience and whatever value we have to the team and to this field. And um, there needs to be a diversity group. There needs to be women. There needs to be men. There needs to be different ethnicities and races and all, you know, because that's how we're going to be a better group and serve the community better. And so for first and foremost, I would say, especially women do it. If it's, if it's your passion and you're, you, you want to explore it, take that leap, take the challenge it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows, but I'll tell you, if you push through it, it's in the end, it's worth it. And, and it's valuable and it's a career I would never change. Um, 
But I will also say, I think one of the other biggest pieces of advice that I would give is on top of, you know, just the networking, um, reaching out to people who have been in the field or who are still in the field or um, are considering the field or the, whether it's in school, whether it's law enforcement, whether it's private sector, you know, I always offer that up to anybody that is interested um, because I want to pay it forward. I've leaned on so many people and asked so many questions. And, you know, I think that all goes to the part, which is why I, I love being a detective is because I do, I want to know all the things. I want to be very <laughs> yep. prepared because I want to make the best smart decision. And there was so much value in that. I feel confident in the decisions that I've made. I feel confident in the fact that I had the career I had in law enforcement and made the transition into private sector. And it's been a, a wonderful two years so far in the private sector. One that I, I mean, it just, it feels like the sky's the limit for me right now. And the opportunities that I've, I've had, because before I came to Kroger, I actually went to uh, Fifth Third. I was working for Fifth Third Bank. And I actually started as an employee relations consultant and did internal investigations, uh, supported, uh, you know, the managers in employment law and worked with bank protection. Um, but it was it was a wonderful job and a wonderful way to, to transition into the private sector and, and learn all about employee relations and how the business looks at risk. Um, but I, you know, this when I saw this role with Kroger is, is a, almost kind of being like a detective on the private side you know, I had to take that, uh, that opportunity. And, um, I think that's kind of the, the thing I would say is I wouldn't have known had I not talked to people what was going on. So really getting out and asking the questions, networking, putting yourself out there, no question is dumb. No person who really wants you in this field is going to be annoyed that you want to sit down and have a cup of coffee and talk about what they did and how they got there and, and, what are the pros? What are the cons? You know, I, that's why I said, give it to me all. I give it to me raw. I want everything. Um, so that would be my best advice is do it. And then ask all the questions, meet all the people, network as much as you can, get involved. Those are excellent pieces of advice. And, and I think it's so important because I, I've, I've worked with, um, with young women uh, considering security or law enforcement as a career with women con considering a career transition. And, and there's often that um, I, I want to say it's it's a it's almost a um, a fear of the unknown or the un, or or uncertainty about what's this going to be like for me. And I think what what your career experience helps to illustrate so well is that you have stayed. You were in law enforcement and then in in, in security, but in different roles within each. And so that that if you for those who are considering a career in law enforcement a career in security you can you can start out with a position and see if you like it and it doesn't have to be the the entirety of your career it doesn't have to be the agency or the organization that you work for for all of your career you can be there for a couple of years and then go on to something else and continue to build that experience and expand your view of what's going on so um, I, I just think you're you, the the breadth and the depth of experience that you have had in the course of your career and then the the experience you've shared with us here it really helps to illustrate that point. And, and I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to join us. So, um, Julie, before I wrap up, anything else that you would like to share? Any other perspectives, stories, any, anything that we didn't get a chance to cover so far? No, I, I don't, I don't think so. I'm, I'm very grateful that you asked me to, to be a part of this and to be able to share my story. And, you know, I, I just hope, I, I know that it is definitely, um, 
as you had just mentioned, kind of a, a career that can be fear of the unknown. And it does take a special, I think, personality and um, person to be able to handle some of the things that you see or deal with, um, especially on the law enforcement side. Um, but I, I just, I hope that whoever does get in and, um, you know, really sees the value of what impact you can have on not just one person, but on a very large scale. And uh, it's, it's a very rewarding career. And I'm always, I'd be available and happy to answer any questions. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm always willing to, uh, to talk to anybody and share whatever I can. And uh, one other thing I just wanted to actually, actually, now that I think about this, and you had mentioned about asking questions about or being able to change, um, going from one place, if you don't, you know, maybe change in jobs or change positions not two, uh, two police departments are the same. So if you ask someone a question at one agency or at one retailer or at one other, you know, uh, at one bank or whatever the case is, it might not be that same way at a different police department. It might be a different type of community or different type of policing or a different type of retailer. So I wouldn't just network and talk with only one. I would talk with multiple and many and get a lot of different perspectives so that you can really get a full well-rounded view of the field and not just be dissuaded by one person or one person's experience because there's going to be a lot of different experiences uh, that people will have and 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 so how I policed in my department is going to be way different than maybe a larger city police department so that would be the only other thing that I would just recommend is um, multiple people if you're truly interested in, in getting different perspectives from different types and I think that that is um, equally true. It, a, it's a really important point. B, equally true for um, law enforcement at the local level, state level, or federal level, too, can be very different experiences. So I think that it's another piece of excellent advice. Yes. Julie, your experience, your stories, and your perspective have been fascinating and, and inspiring. And I just want to thank you for joining us on Women Who Protect. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you having me. This has been wonderful. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.co slash center. Again, that's ontic.co slash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music is a track called Roll the Dice and was written by Mark Wallach. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcasts at ontic.co or visit ontic.co slash center for more information. Thanks for listening.